Thanks for raising your kids. Happy Father's Day. Let us stand. Let us stand. It's awesome. Good to see some men up in here. I know it's not easy all the time. I know it can be a challenge. The wives don't always agree with our decisions, but we're passionate about it. We got to navigate leadership through them, by them, and with them. And that's not always easy. Just thanks for hanging in there. For all you single parent fathers, thanks for not letting a divorce, separation, or anything stop you from getting engaged in your children's lives. Thank you. Thank you. Look at Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35, and this is what it says. And God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel and live there and make an altar to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I've gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had, they had and the rings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Lord's, which is, that is Bethel, Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. And he and all the people who were with him, and he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel. Because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Dear God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you, God, that it is a true word. I dare not ask you to bless it, because you wrote it. But God, I do pray that you will bless, let this be a blessing to our hearts. And as men, as we stay in this journey, God, we will not falter. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Once upon a time, there was a um, gentleman who decided to go into the court system, and he went into the court system, and he decided to evaluate all of the young men that were in prison, in juvenile detention. He decided to go and evaluate them, and to take a look at them. And so in his evaluation, it came to one, different questions were asked, but it came to this one key question. He asked them, how many of you have a father in your house that pays close attention to you? 90% of the kids in juvenile detention said, we don't. There was an absence of a father. There was an absence of a father who had the guts enough to stand and do what he believed was right for his family, was right for the home, and they lacked that leadership. Most of the kids were able to come and go when they wanted to, have whatever friends they wanted to have, which led them to decisions that they made that led them to be incarcerated at a young age because of an absence of a father. Well, we tend to forget that in the scriptures, 
there is only three things that Satan has to break down to gain the whole world. Three things. He has to break down. And you see him in Genesis chapter 3 hitting the first one, marriage. He has to tear down the home because Paul would say everything is built on the home. That's what it's built on. God did not make church first. He did not make government first. What God made first was marriage. So Satan is always attacking it, attacking it, attacking it. Trying to get people in the flesh and out of the spirit. The second thing that Satan knows that if God was to ever take away, he would get the earth. And that is the male leadership in the home. It's right there in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. In Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 he says, I need to turn fathers to their children, children to their fathers, or I will curse the land. So you see the second thing that Satan tends to do is to remove the man from the house. He tends to take the leadership of the man away, tends to get him away from the home because he's after the children. Because if he's after the children, he gets grandchildren, he gets great-grandchildren, he kind of hits the whole generation and then knocks it all out based on one pivotal thing, and that's the leadership in the home, the man. Then he comes to the third thing. That is the church. The keys to the gates of Hades are in the church. So he's constantly trying to deteriorate the church, tear it down, find ways to speak against it, find ways to lock its doors. He's finding all kinds of ways, because if he has attacked marriage, man, and the church, where it's over. So as you see the church degenerates, you see men leaving homes, and you see marriages falling apart, you see an earth that is in disarray. Because all he has to do is those three things. He's not after governments because he runs them. You see that in Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel 28. He runs governments. Matter of fact, when you have Daniel, Daniel is praying and crying out to God, and he says, ah, the only reason I'm late, I had to go and, and defight with the king of Tyre. Because I had to fight Satan. Satan was attacking the king of Tyre, moving him in whatever direction he wanted to. In the last days in Revelation, Satan controls governments. He runs them. So when you, he's not after governments. He's not after Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. What he's after is these three things. The marriage, the man, and the church. And that's why when God is establishing a nation, where does it start? God is establishing a nation. He starts from the top. And how he's going to establish that nation. He could have gone to Sarah. She was a great woman. The Bible says honors her. I can't touch the women in the Bible. Keep working on a book about women in the Bible. And how great a role they played. It's not the diminishing of the woman. It has nothing to do with it. The Bible said there's no difference between male, female, bond or free. It's not an issue of equality. It's the issue of function. It's the issue of structure. Everybody goes to a job. When they go to a job, there's going to be somebody that's the lead boss. Somebody's going to lead the player per company. Somebody's the president of the company. It's not because the person may be smarter. That's why they get a whole bunch of people around them. Because they're not the smartest person all the time. What they do is they find smart people and they put them around them and they build their company on a team. Because they lead through that team. It's not about that. Women can be smarter than men. Uh, don't say amen. They can be. That's not the issue. That's why the Bible says a woman that restrains herself to come under the leadership of her husband, I'll bless her. It's right there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. I'll bless her for doing that. Because not necessarily how smart the man is. It's just God's structure and how the home functions. And God has put it together. Is there a difference between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. There's no difference between them. The Bible is literally saying that Jesus Christ came under his Father in order to redeem man. It wasn't that he was unequal to God. That's not, he says, I counted not robbery to be equal with God. 
I didn't see anything wrong with me saying I'm equal to God. I could say it at any time because it's the truth. But I choose to come under God to save the world. So it's not an issue of equality, and that's why women sometimes are frustrated because they're talking to a man that doesn't make sense sometimes. So how do you lead on to that? How do you be an Abigail in those situations? The Bible has all those examples in the scriptures of how you function. But in the process, he says, it comes from top down. And that's just the way he orchestrates it. And that's just the way it works. And this is why it does. And this is what he's going to see right here. You have a man named Jacob. Jacob is a trickster. You can't say he's the best man or the spiritual man. He promised God when God rescued him and take care of him that 30 years before this incident takes place in Genesis chapter 5, I'll come back here, I'll worship you. 30 years went by and he didn't. He did not go to, the, to worship God for 30 years. He did what he wanted to do. He got the women he wanted, went down to Laban and got Laban to get who well, Laban tricked him. He thought he was a trickster. Laban says, watch me tricked him and he had to work even longer for Rachel so he's now have to go through all of that he sits around working hard finally gets his bride then his brother starts to attack him and then in this process we see how when a man is not operating from the top down how God or Satan can corrode a family I want you to see this in this text by first looking at verse 1 with me and in verse 1, this is what we find, that God doesn't give him a choice. God does not give him a choice when it comes to restructuring a home that is in chaos. So what do you mean? What do you mean? Dana goes into this village because they came to a city called Shechem. They're supposed to be back at Laws, where Bethel is, but he's not there because he's not interested in making God his leader of his home. He's going to make his own decisions and do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And immediately, God takes a side. He, he goes to the side. Anytime a man takes over God's structure, what do you mean? The wife belongs to God. That's what the Bible says. But I'm going to let her come alongside of you to build my kingdom plan. But she belongs to me. That's why if a man was to abuse his wife, the Bible says, I'll stop answering your prayers. Right there in First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. I'll stop answering your prayers. If you abuse your wife in Malachi chapter 2, I will not listen to even what you're saying to me when you come to church. I will not respect nothing you got to do with anything. Because she is my child. I just allow her to be with you to carry out my kingdom plan. So if you abuse her, I'm going to turn on you. It's right there in the scriptures. So God is coming to a home that's dysfunctional. His, his daughter goes to stray into a place that is not supposed to be there. Where Shechem, not laws. And she strays into this place and a man rapes her. He rapes her. The brothers got angry. The brothers go in there and talk the men into circumcising themselves. They talk them into doing it. Once they circumcise themselves, they can't fight. I don't need an amen from the men. <laughs> they can't fight nothing. So now that they can't fight, the, 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 they take their servants and everybody because we learned that this is a group of about 70 people that Jacob is leading. We learned that when they get into the situation there with Joseph into Egypt. It's about 70 people. So this is a whole group of people. Yes, he has 12 sons, but he has a whole bunch of people with him that adds up to 70 people. They go in with all the men and they wipe out all the men in Shechem. They wipe them all out. They kill them. Well, the neighboring countries get angry. They want to come after them. 
and they want to come after them, that shows you that at this point in time, Jacob is not leading his home. He's not leading his home. He went away from God for 30 years. When you go away from God for 30 years, things are dysfunctional. If you go to your car and you mess up the transmission, may have a beautiful car, but it ain't going nowhere. You may be paying a note every month. It's still not going anywhere. Maybe paying an insurance on the car. Still not going nowhere. You messed up the transition, the transmission. The Bible is saying the same thing. When you come to God, who's the transmission in the car, you may have the engine, the brain that's operating. You may be able to function and move around, but you can't go nowhere in your family. And it basically, if you sit a car for a long time, the battery goes bad. All kinds of issues go bad. The tires start to get flat. Eventually, the car is useless because you let it sit too long. The Bible is saying after 30 years, you took the transmission out of your family, and as a result, result of that you got a mess on your hands you got a family that even have idol worshiping in it your family has gone away from God because you choose not to make God first man I, I'm not saying this to make blow my own horn but as one thing my kids would tell you I never fooled with in my home we're gonna have devotions we're gonna let this this family be led by these scriptures so if I ever took you, if you ever hear me take you outside of these scriptures, I would literally tell my wife, don't follow me. Don't follow me. My kids, you ain't got to do nothing. Because this home will be led by the scriptures. This home will go to church. It don't matter. I, you know what I know when I made that such a strong rule? is when my son drove nine hours. He was coming home for the summer. He drove nine hours to make sure he come to his home on time for Bible study on Tuesday as a 20-something year old. I said, okay, he got it. I'm done. Understand, that was the rule. We are not going to miss church. And we used to drive from Katy, Texas to Almeda, Genoa for 45 for church. 45 minutes to an hour. To get to Bible study was an hour and a half. But we did it. We, I got home, helped with dinner, packed the kids in the back. We're going to go to church. Why? wasn't anything special about me is reading texts like this let's take a walk nothing special I wasn't doing anything that's originated from Paul Canning's brain I just believe that the scriptures are the scriptures and they're right I'm not going to argue with them I'm going to submit to them I'm going to do what they say and what that has taught me over the years is that when I do it guess who else is going to do it my kids because they see that model that is functioning in front of their face. That is, no matter what I'm going through, what I face, what I'm frustrated about, what is bothering me, at the end of the day, who leads this home is Christ and Christ alone. Now watch this carefully, men. I want you to see this in verse 1. Then God said to him, in other words, I got enough. I got enough. In other words, you are breaking my tradition that I plan to establish. I only gave you 12 sons because I have 12 tribes. So the reason every child is a gift from God, so the reason I gave you 12 sons is because I plan to have 12 tribes, because I plan to lead the nation of Israel into Egypt and to make it a nation and establish it in the promised land. You are messing up my plan. So you know what? Since you are not going to keep my focus, I'm going to make sure that I talk to you. So that's why God created church. 
is that if a man in the midst of the week with bills and all this stuff that's got to go on, the wife may not be a submissive wife, he's got to keep trucking, he may deal with the whole issue of paying, of dealing with the job, and many times, especially in the African-American community, we struggle to gain respect on jobs and raise ourselves to higher levels on jobs, and when he goes through that pain, that stress, he's dealing with that, he comes home, the Bible is saying, the one place that God is saying that I will restructure to make sure that it sits you focus is the church because I'm going to speak. Why? Because you're touching a generation. You're touching a nation. You're touching a people. If I don't turn the father to his children, I will destroy the land. I don't want to destroy the people. I don't want to destroy the land. But I'm a just God. I'm a holy God. I'm a righteous God. You can't expect me to be who I am and not do what I do because that's who I am. You can't expect water to not get you wet because water gets you wet. You can't expect a fish not to swim because that's what a fish do. You can't expect God not to be God. If people are going away from me, walking away from me I'm holy I'm righteous guess what I'm gonna do I'm gonna judge because that's who I am at that point I'm not being mean if I stop doing those things I'm not God so God stops him 30 years is too long man he stops him and he says to him he says and God said to Jacob I ain't dealing with you no more I rise this is God showing up giving commands not suggestions. Man, I say this to you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says to him, I, I like what he, how this is in the Hebrew, it was written in the Hebrew. This is what it's, he says in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew text, he, what he's saying is, I'm saying this to you and I'm going to quit saying it, so you might as well get up and do what you're supposed to do. That's literally how it works itself out in Hebrew text. Because he's saying, what I'm saying to you, I ain't going to stop saying I'm not going to stop having preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher after preacher open up these texts. I'm not going to stop. So if you want church to shut down, I ain't going to do it. If you want the Bible to close, I'm not going to do it. You could burn the Bible like they've tried to do hundreds of times, and I'm still going to find a way to make sure it comes out. Because I'm going to keep talking, I'm going to keep talking, because you're dealing with something that is the critical part of how I hold a world together. So if it's a critical part of how I hold the world together, I'm going to keep saying the same thing to you over and over and over and over again. If somebody's standing on a top of a roof and it's a 10-story building, you can't jump, man. Come on, man. You can't jump, man. Come on, really? really? You're going to keep doing this? Come on, man. Come back here. You're on the edge. Come back here. The person keeps talking. Why? They don't want the person to lose their life. So they keep talking over and over again. God is saying, Jacob, 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 you're going to listen to me whether you want to or not. I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to keep saying this. I'm going to keep saying this because you can't destroy my agenda. You see, men, you are not just leading a home. You're leading a tribe. That's not what you're leading. You, when, you, when you start having children, they have other children. They have other children. They have other children. They have other children. It becomes a nation. A whole world of two people established seven billion people on this planet. And if you start not, if we, if we start getting bogged down, the bills, the marriage, this is bothering me, health issues, parents to take care of, I'm just going through the day. Satan uses that as a distraction to get us off of plowing true God's agenda. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. Isn't that what it's saying? I plowed through the day doing my stuff over and over again and came to realize after many years, it was vanity and vexation of spirit. I arrived at nothing. So that's why he says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 3. I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. 
And the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. There's an interdependence between a man and a woman as you continue to read. God is the head of Christ. Is Christ and God equal? Yes. I choose to keep this structure to arrive at my agenda of impacting the world. But it is the same as a husband and a wife. You would see that later on. He would talk about the husband and the wife are dependent on one another. But yet, he, look at verse 11. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman originates from the man, so the man also has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. He's not talking about equality. He's talking about function. And he's saying, all you have to do to keep Christ out the world is to stop being a leader. God's way. Not, I'm the man of the house type of leader. But to do it God's way. A woman is not supposed to be beat down. She's supposed to be built up. But when she becomes a godly woman, yeah, she becomes a blessing. But the Bible says a foolish woman could tear the house down by her own hands. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1 or 2 there, he says, A foolish woman can tear a house down with her own hands. In Genesis chapter 25, 30, 35, he says this. So the first thing is God intervenes. He intervenes. Why? He's trying to save a nation. He's trying to save a legacy, not just a family. So he's not going not, to not shut up. He's going to keep speaking. Radio stations, television stations. He's going to keep speaking. Because he wants that person to function. It's like a coach who pulls over the players. Time out. Practice after practice after practice after practice. We're after a championship. We're going to take time out. We're going to reboot. We're going to have some players to come in for you. Help you out. Woman is what? A helper. I'm going to do all these different things. Why? We want to win the championship. I'm not doing it just to do it. He speaks up and he says, arise. Go to Bethel. That place has so much legacy. You know, many times we see the faults in churches. We don't see the history of churches that have really been a blessing. That has really been a blessing. History of the, history of the church is tremendous. But there's been problems in the church. There has been. Preachers have abused the pulpit. Yes, that's half happened. I'm not going to jump through their hoop. It is, it is. It's a duck, it's a duck. But that, but that don't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. It is still God's central place. He says, go to Bethel and live there. What? I ain't going to live in no church house. He's not saying live there in the sense, you know what, what you, please understand the contrast here. You're at Shechem, and what is that creating? A mess. When you go to Bethel, and you put me back first, what does that mean? I'm such, the transmission is working so well, it should become a place where you take so serious, you don't ever think to walk away from it. You don't ever think, because you see the seriousness of it. You see the significance of it. That's why you don't walk away from it. You know? Some people tell me I don't like blood pressure medicine. I hate it. Okay? But when they see their blood pressure spike and they know a stroke is possible, guess what they do? Take it. Okay? And when they understand that stroke could disable them and they could not even be able to function, they take that medicine like, I need Jesus. I mean, they like it. 
Some people are scared their kidneys go away. Some people are scared it affects their, their mind later on. But, it, but it's, it's one thing or the X. And that's what God is saying. It's not that we're going to all day long drink medicine, but I'm not going to walk away from that medicine cabinet and take it. The Bible is saying, you got to think that I stay the leader of your life when you don't just commit to be at worship and go home. It becomes a centerpiece in your life. It's not just coming and going. That doesn't bless anybody. That's like you go into the hospital. You go into the hospital and walking in and out. Well, I went to the hospital. You didn't do nothing. Oh, man, no. They start poking on me and pressing on me. I ain't for all that. They told me take off my clothes. Really? Put on a gown. Really? With the back out? Serious? This is embarrassing. So you want me to go to the doctor? Really? They're going to poke on me. They're going to do some things only Jesus needs to know. But guess what? If I just go to the hospital and announce that I went and leave, nothing changes. I have to have a commitment to what they're doing and allow them to do what they need to do in order for difference to possibly be made by the, by the help and the grace of God. So that's why he says, live there, dwell there, make your home there, and make an altar to God. What's these makes? What does these makes mean? The word make means, go create it. I ain't doing it for you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, go down here, walk 30 miles, walk 30 miles. I'll say it again, walk 30 miles. You're going to do that. I ain't helping you. I'm not taking on some cloud. Make you slide over the ground and get you there any fast? You go there. Why? You must be intentional. When you get there, make. I ain't giving you the wood. I ain't giving you the rocks. I ain't giving you nothing. You go find it and you do it. Because if you do those things, you tell me I am leading. If I have to lead you only when it's convenient, why am I leading you? You only, I only do for you when you think it's okay. But if you got to be the first person to get up in the morning and say, we're going to church. If you got to be the first person to say, we're going to get our family in this direction. And you got to make the gas. You got to make the car work. You got to make everything go well before that family gets out the door. When you make those things happen, you tell me how intentional you are about me leading you. But if I got to do it for you, I'm the one making you do it. You're not serious about it. Somebody got to threaten you. They're going to take your house before you pay the mortgage. There's a problem. There's a problem there. If your blood pressure has to be 210 before you go, oh, the medicine. There's an issue. But if I recognize I have blood pressure issues or these different things and I choose to go do it, it means I intentionally want to live. God is saying, I'm not helping you. And we tend to want God to make the rain not fall. God, let me wake up without an alarm. Oh, I miss church. I didn't turn the alarm on. But on Monday morning, bark, 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 bark. that's the God we serve. Rain, sun, or shine. We up. If the car is not working, guess what we're doing all Sunday? On Saturday, fixing it. 
Because we're intentionally going to get to that job. The Bible is saying, until you are serious about me, I am not going to change your circumstances. You got to see that in this text. I'm not stopping these people from killing you. I'm going to let these people wipe you out if you have to. I can start over. I started over when, when, Cain, when Cain killed Abel. Guess what I did? I made Seth. And I got set to lead a whole lot of tribal people to lead us to Christ. So if you don't want to do it, I just wipe you all out and start all over again because I've done it before. I wiped out the flood and I gave no one in his family a chance to start over. I could, do, I could do it without you. I just choose to do it with you. So since I choose to do it with you, let me see how serious you are about me. Father's Day is a huge day. That's why I told the staff. We're going to make something special about Father's Day. Y'all always treat fathers like they ain't nothing. Y'all go crazy about mama. And then fathers get leftover stuff. So that's why there's a big deal today. Because this is where God puts it. This is where God puts it. If he puts it here, he puts it here. Look at this carefully. Don't just get a man to pay the bills. Get a man because you want a man. Hello. Come on, ladies. You know, some of y'all just get a man. Well, I got all these children. I need a man. I got all these bills. <laughs> I got to have me a man. Pay me with all these bills, all these children. You know, needing to eat. They're getting bigger. I buy a shoe two weeks ago, and two weeks later, they need another shoe. Ain't even, one ain't even broken yet. They're growing so fast. Get me a man in the name of Jesus. You love a woman? Come, come. Let's, let's, let's talk. The Bible says, no, if you want a man that is going to be a man like we talked about last week, then understand you got to be committed to what God has called you to be as a woman. Or it's not going to work. You're going to fight. The man is going to stop trying to lead because he wants what? He wants peace in the bedroom. So you're going to stop trying to lead you. But then you get mad. You don't do nothing around here. Well, you made him do nothing. You told him, shut up. <laughs> so guess what he did? That's exactly what he did. Nothing. He didn't say nothing. I'll do the bills. Okay. These are my children. Okay. Guess what happens? Now you got all of it. I don't even know why I got a man. Well, you just, you slaughtered one. Now, no women ain't going to be telling me amen today. This may be my last Sunday here. He said right here, he's yet to talk to Rachel or Lee, Leah. He's talking to who? Jacob. He is not talking to them. Does that mean they're not equal to him? I, I've given you all the verses. Tons of verses. God does not see a man and a woman as unequal. I made them in my image, male and female. I would never treat my wife as not a grown woman. My wife don't have to ask me where she's going. She said, tell me where you're going. I just want to keep up with you because that, that phone is going to be in the bottom of your purse. And I'm not going to have find you on it. I ain't trying to find you. Just at least pick it up when I call you. But you don't have to ask me. When she first got married, she says, well, wait, well, could I go to the store? I said, what? You're a grown woman. Go where you want to go. Just come home. <laughs> I would not treat you like that. You don't have to ask me to go somewhere. No, here's the budget. You know what our budget is? 
you know what your money is. We always give each other something from the budget. We never get our budget so tight we can't give something to each other so we can just spend the way we want to. We're not accountable for that set number in that budget. You could do what you want with it anytime you want with it. If you borrow from me, I borrow from you, we owe each other, which doesn't work well, so I don't borrow nothing. <laughs> when our parents got older, we, we set aside in our budget. What are we going to give to our parents? And we gave that money to our parents. It was done. So if I wanted to take my mom out to dinner, I took my money that is from our budget. I saved it up because I'm going to take my mom to someplace nice. So I take it. I know all my money gone, but it's on my mama, so I'm good. We structured it that way. Why? She's a grown woman. She has to ask me nothing. Sometimes I come home, I'm going, where's she at? Because, you know, women, they just leave. You say I'm grown. <laughs> I'll be gone. I'll be back. Just pray it's the same day. That's not the issue in this text. So don't trip out on me. He's saying, this is my structure. And he's coming to the man in the home. And he's saying, it's, I'm not blaming Leah. I'm not blaming Rachel. I'm blaming you for this dysfunctional family. Because you have allowed it to be where it is. You did not go to war for this family. You did not speak up. And you know that because of what happens here in this next verse. He has to tell them. We got to reconnect to God. 30 years made us, made us drift from God. 30 years made us move, remove ourselves from the, from the transmission, and we are all over the place now. We're all over the place. Look at how all over the place they are. Look at verse 2. And then the, the Jacob said to his household, I, I love the fact that he responded right away. Men, don't let this be an ego thing. Some men got a big ego. When God speaks, I'll put, my, put my, my, my pants on the same way that preacher do. I am not asking you to follow me. I'm always going to teach you from the scriptures so that you are following God. The same way I led my home, the same way I lead the church. Okay? This runs the house. Nobody's over it. Nobody. I'm never going to use this position outside it because if I use my position as a man in my home outside of these scriptures, I'm being abusive. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking my position if a cop closes the law books and come and do what he want to do or she does what she want to do, guess what they're being? Abusive. If they keep the law books open and do what they're doing, they're getting their job done. Even the staff will tell you. No, we can't do that. My boss wouldn't let us. He, I got a boss. So they, he, he drifted. He drifted away from it. He drifted. And look at how far he got. All you have to do is not come to church, not read your Bible, not do your devotions, not lead your family spiritually. That's all you got to do is decide not to do it, and it drifts. It's not, it's not, I never forget my dad saying, oh, you think your friends are going to this and all that? Okay, get on this tube. And I never forget, he put me on this tube on a beach, and he says, don't you do nothing to that tube, just sit there. And my dad talked to you like that, guess what you do? You sit there. And he, and he, he just went about his business. Next thing I know, I'm in the, going further and further and further and further out. He had to come get me. He says, that's your friends when you don't take God seriously and you take your parents off of, the, off of the main stand. When you take your parents and remove them, that's how you drift. You drift because you're not making any effort to come to where you need to go. You're just sitting in life, letting life take you. And when you let 
Sometimes you have to be intentional about what you want to do. That's a lesson I will never forget. He said, you have to be intentional. If you're not going to be intentional about what you want to do in life, you don't even know when you're drifting. The only time you knew when you were drifting, because I saw you on that tube having a good old time, kicking your legs, having a good old time, is when you turned around and see how far you were going, and you can't swim that far. That's when you were staring at me. Stare at me on the, on the shore. Don't stare at me when you're way out there. That's why he says this. It's all you got to do. Don't do devotions. Don't read your Bible. Don't come to church. And he says, this is how your house will become. Right here. And Jacob said to his household, and all who were with him, put away foreign gods. He knew they were there. They didn't come to him and say, we got some foreign gods. What do you think God think? He says, put them away. Make a decision right now that we got to get this back in place. Why? It's an urgency. They want to kill the whole family. Now he's under duress. He's saying, oh my God, I got to get my life back right with God. When, J when Esau was trying to kill him, guess where he was? At church. God, help me. What did God do? Help him. 30 years later, he's away from God. God, help me. Where's God saying? You're going to help. I'm going to help you, but this time you got to live here. Put away the foreign gods from among you. In other words, you keep it a secret from me. I ain't got no foreign gods in my family. Oh, yes, you do. How many hours you spend looking at television every week? And how little do you pray and read your Bible? That's a God. If, if anybody was to tell you, if, if, if it comes to giving in the church and you get angry and God is God's resources and you don't even want to deal with it, guess what you're doing? That's your God. You're telling God, God, I don't care what you say. This is mine. Bump you. Tell that preacher to shut up about that. This is my money. God is saying, that's a love for money. You'll eventually become evil. The Bible is saying anything. Some of us is football or basketball. We miss church to make the game. We don't have to just make the game. We got to go to the parking lot party. We got to go to the pregame. Some of us are so in love with football, we don't just look at the Super Bowl. We got to look at everything for two hours talking about nothing before the game. I remember a neighbor inviting me over. He said, man, come for the game. We're going to be, we get started real early. We're going to look at all the pregame stuff. I'm saying, no, man. I got over there. They were drinking half drunk before the game. I went over there just to be nice to my neighbor, enjoy the thing, and I left. See, you're going already? I said, well, I'm hoping I would sneak out of here because y'all like loaded. <laughs> I thought I could get out of there. I thought I could sneak out. They, they, they were loaded. Hey, man, what's up? What's your name? They asked me that five times. What's your name? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> my neighbor says, that's my neighbor. He, he lives down the street. I live across the street. You're loaded. That's why we look at each other all the time, shake hands all the time. There's foreign gods in our house. Some of us have them under their bed. Liquor. Huh? Oh, did he go there? Some of us got to come home and we got to get a shot. If I'm going to deal with this mess in this house, I got to hit something first, but I do anything. <laughs> Some of us got some shots. You know what I'm talking about. Hello. Some of us, our parents is our God. Some of us, our kids are our God. 
He says, you got some foreign gods? I keep telling y'all, here's a God for you. There's three things you can know about a God. I'm going to give money to it readily. I'm going to serve it. And whatever emotion, whatever is dealing with it, I'm going to do what it says. It's going to control me. That's why I used to laugh at my neighbor. Every time the Astros lost, it's funny. My wife says, you're so silly sometimes. I said, the Astros are playing? Hey, okay, watch this, watch this. Let me see if they won. Because I'm not into baseball. Just pitch, just hit the ball. At some point in time, just hit the ball. Somebody chase, do something. Then to sit around, it's a pitching thing. I mean, you know, hit the ball, do something. Run around, hit somebody, do something. Then to sit there and watch pitch after pitch after pitch. So I said, is the Astros playing? Yes, she just shake her head. Go find out yourself. I go in there and turn it on. Oh, the Astros are playing. I look out my window. Every time they lose, he walks the block like five times. <laughs> I'm serious. He did. He'd walked the I said, they lost. He said, how do you know? I, I didn't get to look at it. I was busy with my, my boys, our boys. And, and I said, you've got to be. He's walking the block. She says, come on. I said, okay. They're playing next week. I, watched, I got a schedule. They're playing next week. Watch. And that day they were losing a lot. That's when they were losing, like losing and losing. Anybody going to the stands? And he, and he said, look, they lost again. He knew they didn't have a good team. He knew they were going to lose. But he, he looked at it, put on the uniform. Like he's going to hit the ball or something. You know, he got the hat on, the shirt on. You know all this because he comes outside of his house and he walks the block like five or six times because he's depressed. There are people that commit suicide in the, around the world when their football team, soccer team, loses. Like y'all keep wanting the World Cup to come to Houston. That's a religion. I came from that religion. I came from around, from Guyana, South America. That's a religion. It's not a game. You're going to see people going crazy around here. They're gods. And they're among us. They're at your house. Some people's God is their car. You better not walk in there with any mud. You were once a friend. You lost your friendship. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. It's intentional. It's intentional. Coming to church is not just getting up, okay, what I got today. No. He says, let us arise. And go to Bethel. Let all of us get up in here and go to Bethel and make an altar there who, to God who answered me in my day of distress. What history does God have with you? What history does God have with you? When God had a history with David, he'll build a temple. Okay, God, you know what? I'm not going to put this temple up, but I'm going to get all the material, the blueprints, everything. Since you're not going to let me erect it, I'm going to still get everything. Why? He's a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David said, God rescued me from a lion. God rescued me from a bear. God rescued me from Saul. God rescued me from Goliath. There is no way I'm going to walk away from God. But guess what? He quit doing stuff with the temple and guess where he strayed? It's just that simple. That's why he says, put them away. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods. This is the part that gets me right here. And they had the rings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak, of, uh, under the oak which was near Shechem. Why you put it under a tree? Why would you put it under a tree, Jacob? What is Jacob saying? I'm coming to get it. So what are you talking about? 
They worship gods on the trees. So what Jacob is saying is, I'm going up here, but I know that you worship idols on the trees. So I'm going to put it up under a tree in case you want to come back and get it. He wasn't totally surrendered to God. And that's why Jacob and God constantly had this issue. That's why the relationship starts off with him and God wrestling. Because he wrestles with God. And that's why the Bible is saying, Jacob takes this, he puts it under a tree. He knows that they know where the tree is. He's burying it in front of them. What does that mean? He's giving them a chance to come back. What's that saying? Jacob was a man who was not a leader. He was a pleaser. He wanted to please. He knew that Rachel had God. She brought her gods with her. When she left her dad, she picked up her gods and walked with it. She, he knew that. He knew this woman he's attracted to had other gods. Like some men, they're looking at 36, 26. They ain't looking at the gods. And when it becomes 36, 36, okay, let me leave it alone. Then they want to go find a god. The Bible is saying, no, 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 no. When you lead, it must, this is a permanent process or you, you just reestablish the same mess in your house. Just do. So men, if we're not intentional, if we're not focused, yes, it's complex. You can't treat your wife like she's nothing in order to be a leader. That's not a leader. That's a dictator. A dictator has to blow up Ukraine. A dictator is going to destroy to be the leader. But a leader that is biblically a leader is going to make sure that, that everything is functioning right. Everybody has a chance to do what's right, but I'm still going to lead. I'm still going to try to respect the Constitution and lead, not destroy the Constitution and say I'm the president. That's not a leader. That, that's a dictator. But a leader is saying, you have your rights. I have my position. I'm going to lead you within your rights. I'm not going to violate your rights to lead you. That's a leader. You're the woman. You are the mother of our children. You're the one that help our home to work well. So I'm going to lead you and respect you for what God has done and does through you. But I'm going to still try to lead without disrespecting that. That's a leader. He does, he's not doing that. What he's doing is, he is saying, hey, I know y'all going to want to pick up these gods, so do your thing. But for right now, we're going to church. That's not leading. And that's why at the end of this passage, he's burying people. And that's why this, this is, look, look at verse 5. He says this. The lovely thing about God is that when he, he knows we ain't straight, but he's still going to love us. I love this about my God. I don't have to be perfect. Man, I don't have to be a perfect father. I don't have to be a perfect dad. All I have to be is committed. That's it. God knows I'm fallible. God knows I'm going to make mistakes. God knows I'm not perfect. So I don't have to. Being a leader don't mean you have to be perfect. Being a leader means you keep worshiping God as he perfects you. It's not perfect. I've gone to my son's bedrooms and said, hey, my son's bedroom and say, hey, my son's, and say, son, I'm sorry. I could have handled that better. I've literally, because sometime, one time in my prayer, I kneeled on the ground and say, God, I'm not doing this right. I've got them in a box. They go to school. They do right. They come home. They listen to their mom and dad. This is a box. I'm not leading this home. I'm throwing them in the traditional box and hope it comes out good. God, I got to lead them to you. 
I sat, laid, sit down, kneel between their beds and put my hands on their beds and say, God, forgive me. I will do whatever it takes to get this right. And while I respect my wife. That's all he's saying. Jacob is not right. He can put the, tree, the, the, the idols up under the tree. But look at God. As they journey, God says, okay, I see your intention. I will stop everybody from trying to kill you. You, 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 you want God to be in your home? You want God to protect your house? Put him first. God is saying in this passage, I got your back. Oh, there's so much in there. We don't have the time for it anymore. But God is saying, hey, I got your back. Look at where, where's the armor in the Bible? The armor's in the front. It's not in the back. What is God saying? If you put on the armor, if you can't press forward, like Paul would say, then at least stand. If you can't stand, at least, if you get strong enough to stand, at least walk. But at the end of the day, keep the armor on. Put, keep working out your salvation and fear and trembling. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the shoes of peace. Put on the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Put it on. But you don't need nothing in the back. Why? I have your back. I don't, you don't have to be perfect, man. You don't have to do everything right, man. But the minute you decide that I'm going to do things the way God tells me to do it, I'm going to do things for my family the way God is leading me, based on his word. And no matter what is going on, God says, I now got your back. But when you choose to do it your way, you on your own. Am I going to be gracious to you? Yes. 30 years went by. Is Jacob still alive? Yes, he's still alive. 30 years went by. Did God protect him from Esau? Yes, he did. Did God protect him from being wiped up by this country? Yes, he did. But God is saying it's time to fix this. Sometimes the hardest times in leading my home is when I decided to lead it. It created the greatest tension in my marriage was when I decided to lead. Because a woman ain't stupid. And she's built to her emotions. And a man tends to lead forgetting her emotions. That's just who God made her. Because God made her to be a mother. So he made her attached to her emotions to nurture. It's not a weakness, it's a strength. And that's why he says this. I'll stop everything. So Jacob came to laws. <laughs> oh, I ain't got time for this. But it's such a powerful thing. Because he protected him, so he came to Lord. You can't arrive at anything in our lives if God is not doing the protection. <laughs> you have to see, real, real quick here, we're out of time. Look at this, he says, verse 5 says, the terror was on the cities, God stopped them. Cities, because they were going to come together and attack them. Because the men are gone, they killed all the men. So the other cities are going to come and put together a coalition and come against them and kill them. So not just one city coming against them, a bunch of cities. And after he read, after you read that verse, it says, so Jacob make it to Shechem. <laughs> My God. He couldn't have made it nowhere without God abiding me and I'll abide in you. That's how you don't end up with nothing. Look at this. He comes to Shechem. And God, look at this. Does God say, it's time to worship? No, he doesn't. God is silent. He doesn't say nothing. Why is he not saying nothing? You already know what to do. Why ain't I repeating myself no more? Do what you're supposed to do. Oh man, this is where the presence of God showed up. This is the hallelujah right here. So Jacob came to Luz and all the people were with him. He built an altar there and God revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Just as God 
was there. He, he did it because God revealed himself there. What does that mean? I expect God to be in my presence because I went from the top down. From the top, I operated God. And because God is the top, I expect him to meet me at his place of worship. Folks, understand this. You could decide to jump out of a plane. Awesome. But you got to have a parachute. Because the ground is coming. <laughs> it's coming. You could decide to walk away from God anytime you want and just jump out into life. You don't have a parachute. Hell is coming. Heaven is coming. And you have to give a report. You could decide any point in time. This is my car. I do what I want with it. Just don't put gas in it. And see what happens. Just don't take care of the battery. You know, I, I, I got in my truck the other day and started it. Nothing. Worst thing for me. I'm going from one thing to the next. Like, like, a, like a train. My wife says, you are so scheduled. I'm going from one thing to the next. Not working. Okay. That's that good. I decided to go, and nah, I'm taking it to no shop. This is, the, this is the battery. The lights are not on. It's like dead, dead. So I got it bumped up enough to get to the auto place zone right down here in West New York. I got in there, and I go to, man, this thing is dead. What you got on this battery? He goes, sir, you got nothing. You got five years. You're only supposed to get three on this battery. So guess what? There was grace built in. And I'm standing there going, dude, this, I mean, you don't have any like, you know, like where you get your battery discounted so you get some money off the next one. He goes, sir, sir, you got nothing. <laughs> like, like, like nothing, nothing, like nothing, nothing, nothing. You had five years. Everything that they had on this thing is gone. You got to buy you a brand new battery. I said, well, what's the battery? How much is the battery? Two hundred and something dollars. I said, you need Jesus. He said, no, you're the one that need Jesus. <laughs> I said, by God, 200 and something dollars? He goes, yes. You got 200 and something dollars for that particular battery. If you want the kind of one that's commensurate with what you bought. I said, I didn't buy this for 200 and something dollars. I bought it. He says, when did, when did you buy it again? I said, okay. We're having an interesting discussion. Five years ago, um, five years ago, it was 100 and something dollars. Five years later, it's 200 and something dollars. And you got to pay all of it. So you got to have this battery. I'm sitting down there thinking, looking down the list there, seeing what is the cheapest one. So he saw me doing that. So he looks over there and he goes, that one will give you one year. That one will give you two years. That one will give you three years. And the one you get will give you about four, maybe five years. And since you seem to be doing really good, it may give you seven because you came in two years after three years. So in other words, what he was telling me is, hey, you want to buy that battery? It may be $100, but guess what? You're going to buy another one after two years, so you're going to pay $200. You, you could go ahead and buy this one, but you're going to end up paying the same $230, and you're going to be stuck on your driveway. No matter what you do, you're going to be back where you are simply because you keep looking at the money rather than the time you got, rather than the blessing you got for having this thing for the last five years because you are so stressed out over not wanting to spend your little 200 and something dollars. But at the end of the day, this is what it is. Are you going to take it or are you leaving? Because you're kicking, they got people in line over here. God is saying, if your car is not moving, the battery is out. 
It depends on how long you want this car to run. If you hook it up with me, you will never buy another battery anymore. I will take care of it. I got your back. I will respond to this. I'll make it work. But if you're standing at the counter trying to get me to change how this works, it's not going to change nothing. You could try to go to this verse and pull out a verse the way you want to pull it out. But at the end of the day, that verse don't work for you this way. You could do whatever you want, but I'm standing at this counter and I'm going to tell you the truth. You could accept it. You could reject it. No matter what. But at the end of the day, if you accept the truth you get the results if you don't accept the truth you're stuck again at your driveway with the battery out that's what God is telling you today and that's that's the reason why I say to you as a man to a man I thank God my kids aren't perfect my grandkids yeah they are perfect but my kids they're not perfect my kids my wife and I we love them But I promise you, when I had the luxury of having God teach me these things, I stood at the counter with God and I said, at the end of the day, these ain't my kids. These are yours. I had a man come to me not too long ago. He said, Pastor, I got eight kids. I said, geez, how many jobs you got? I knew him well. So we were playing for a minute. He said, but I disconnected from him. I live my life. I, they're not even from one woman. I live my life. And I want to reconnect. I said, God can replenish your garden. Go back and let God replenish it. He says, what is it going to take? Every bit, of you, every bit of God and nothing of you. What are you talking about? You got to go back willing to learn. You got to go back willing to grow. You got to go back willing to have them look you in the face and maybe dog you out for not being there. You got to be willing to take that. That's what I'm saying. You can't go back with you. The only person you can go back with is God. So no matter what they say, you're still going to be at that game. Whether they look at you or say anything after the game or not, just keep doing it. Month after month, year after year. Birthday, send them gifts. Hey, go to the games, sit at their games. Go by their school, take them lunch. They may look at you and say, thank you, and walk off. That's okay, you do it. Because it doesn't matter what they're doing. It matters what God has called you to do. Seven years later, seven years later, those kids would send me texts. Man, check us out. She wants me to come to her graduation. Go go man but but see she lives in a different city shut up i'm sorry i knew him well enough to say crazy things shut up go this doesn't matter about you this ain't got nothing to do with you drive see you got you got a good car man get in it make it a road trip man you make that sound easy did i say it was easy he had to go 30 miles find rocks Frying wood. He had to go an elevation of 1,110 feet with that stuff and build an altar. Where is God going? Let me help you. Bring it up here. Bring the animals. Carry them up. Kill them yourself. Go, man. All right. Went. Man, she actually came and hugged me after the game. There you go. See? You turned your heart to them. And God promised he will turn their hearts.
back to you. Because he could replenish your fear. He could make you strong. Because from the top, God can fix anybody. If God could find Paul and make him an apostle, he could fix you. If God could find a David who did as messed up like he did and put him back as king, he could fix you. If God can find a Mary Madeline, he could fix you. God does not, if God could go on a cross and get a thief to confess that he's Jesus and meet him in paradise, he could fix you. He's just saying, accept me as the top down. Come, let me lead your life. Let me influence your life. Let me surrender your life to me. Don't try to make sense with it. Don't try to fix it. Don't worry about how far it is. Don't worry about what sacrifices you got to make. Just come to the counter and do what you need to do and trust me at the counter and I promise you, your car will start every time forever. I'll make it work. I'll make it run because all you got to do is decide to, decide to accept that I'm going to surrender my my leadership to his leadership, my God it will be his, my God will be him forever and forever. And God says, when you do that, I'll make your home, I'll make your life, I'll make the length of your life, Psalm 128, all you want it to be. On one thing, your family. Let us stand.